This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 69. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. All right, here we go one more time. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, and my name is Scott Wellens. I am your host, and this is a show dedicated to helping real people. Guess what? That's you. Build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it's great to be with you, and thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for you to you listening to the show today. The downloads to this podcast keep going up and that makes my heart feel good. It makes me want to keep doing these shows each and every week, even though it takes a little bit of time to do them. But I enjoy seeing many downloads and hopefully helping many people across the world. Today's episode two is is titled The Mutual Fund Landscape. And I'll get into what that means in just a little bit. But before we do, I had the privilege of leading another all-pro dad group at my kids' elementary school today. And if you're a dad out there that have kids in elementary schools, go to All Pro Dad, start a chapter in your area because the kids and the dads just love it. And it's so easy. And All Pro Dad, they provide all the materials, get things going. And if you have questions about it, please email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. It is just a great organization and a great thing to start in your kids' school, getting dads into the school, walking kids to class and stuff. And we always eat a bunch of donuts and get a sugar high. And then we talk about a topic of the day. And this week was was um, connected. That was the topic. This show, you know, it kind of ties in because this show is dedicated to helping family stewards build wealth. So you listening today, if you're listening to a show about finances, believe me, you are a family steward. So when do you feel most connected to each other as a family, even if you don't have kids, just husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, mom and dad, whatever. Because for some, we feel most connected during like, you know, special family dinners. For others, it might be a family vacation. But the point of today's topic was you don't always need those special events to feel connected with those you love. Every single day we have the opportunity to connect with those we love through a very simple but very powerful act of a hug and we watched a video at all pro dad just giving different examples of dads hugging their kids in different situations and then we all did the exercise i had everybody give their kids a hug and i'm going to give you that job today too but i don't want you to go up to your loved one or your kid or your boyfriend or girlfriend or mom and dad and just give them a little hug i want you to hug them and i want you to hug them for 15 seconds just get your get your arms around them and squeeze them tight for 15 seconds. 
I guarantee that will be the best part of both of your days. All right, enough on that. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. The mutual fund landscape. Today's going to be a show about some facts that I'm going to give you to better help you decide which mutual funds might be best for you. For some of us, when we're investing, we like to invest in individual companies. Now, I think that that is far too risky because it's very difficult to get highly diversified just buying individual companies. There are some studies out there that says a portfolio with you know around 30 companies or 40 companies Well, that is considered diversified, but really, you need those thirty or four these the thirty or forty companies in each and every asset class. And there's there's at least thirteen asset classes that matter that you need to be in. And so, when I take these thirteen asset classes and multiply by by thirty or forty, it becomes a large number, and all of a sudden. And it becomes very cumbersome and difficult to build a portfolio. Portfolios I build have at least 10,000 companies in them globally. And mutual funds are great when it comes to easily diversifying and easily being able for me to get my clients into over 10,000 companies. And for those who don't really know what a mutual fund is, all a mutual fund is is a collection of companies. And you can buy a share of the mutual fund, and now you have little tiny partial percentages of a share of many, many different companies. Some mutual funds might have 50 companies in it. Some mutual funds and a fund of funds might have 10,000 companies within the single mutual fund. But there are so many mutual funds to choose from. As a family steward, where in the world do I start? Let me give you a little bit of perspective here. The number of publicly traded companies within the United States that have some liquidity, there's actually a little bit of trading going back and forth each day. The number has been shrinking. There's about, and I'm rounding here, about 4,000 publicly traded companies. But guess what? Guess how many mutual funds there are in the U.S.? In the U.S. alone, mutual funds made up of a representation of those 4,000 companies, there's over 2,500 mutual funds. And I'm going to, you guys, I'm going to post the mutual fund landscape report at bestandwealth.com within episode number 69 show notes. So go to bestandwealth.com, download this report. This is your free report so you can better understand it after I go over some of the high level numbers. I mean, 2,500 mutual funds at the end of 2015. I don't have 2016 numbers right now. So many. Where do you even start? There's another 1,200 mutual fund uh, companies that invest in international equities. Another almost 1,000 bond funds. There's just funds among funds among funds. And of all of these these funds that I just mentioned, which is you know about 4,500 total funds, it's made up of almost seven trillion dollars. Wow. That's a number it's hard for me to get my my arms around. 
So how do most people, though, how do they choose which are the best mutual funds for their portfolio? And a lot of times it might be part of a 401k plan where you only have 20 or so choices because those are the only mutual funds offered within your 401k plan. But even within those 20, how do you decide? And then if you're going to actually open up a brokerage account of, of, of some sort or me who's helping people manage money, well, I have every single mutual fund available to me. Which one do I choose? Which one is best for me and for my clients? And which one is best for you even of the 20 inside of your 401k plan? And I'll tell you right now, how do most people pick mutual funds? They either nudge the person in their cubicle next to them and say, what are you invested in? And then they invest in the same thing. Or they look at past returns and they use these past returns to pick their funds. The funds that are performing best are the ones that they pick. And usually, you know, let's just look at your 401k. If you have 20 options, you're usually given maybe the year-to-date returns on the fund, the one-year returns, maybe the three-year, the five-year returns, and oftentimes the 10-year returns. So the first question is, do I look at the one-year return or the 10-year return? Whatever it is, you're usually looking at it and you pick the funds that have the best returns. That's usually what happens. But in this report that I'm posting at Best in Wealth, I want to show you where that may just be hazardous to your wealth. Let's break down the mutual funds. I mean, how are these mutual funds managed? Most of them are managed like this. There is what's called a mutual fund manager, an individual in a pinstripe suit making millions of dollars, and you are putting your faith into this mutual fund manager to pick some of the 4,000 publicly traded companies, and that's your investment. You're putting your faith and your hope into this mutual fund manager. Oftentimes, the manager, too, has a team of people that are pouring over quarterly reports by companies using fundamental analysis, technical analysis, bottom-up economics, top-down economics, all things, including their emotions, to pick the companies that they feel are going to perform best. And here's the great thing about science and investing, is we have stats for all of this. So of these 25 100 U.S. funds that existed in 2015, how many of them actually beat the market? Because we have now, if you go to places like S&P or Russell, Google those, you'll see these are commercial indexes that are tracking the stock market. So you want to see if the mutual fund manager is actually beating the market. And the question is, of these 2,500 funds, how many of them actually beat the market? Well, we have to look back in order to do this. So if I look back just three years, ending December 31st, 2015, there were actually many more mutual funds. There was 3,550. And if I look at the end of that three-year period ending December 31st, 2015, here's what I see. 
Well, I see that 87% of those 3,500 funds actually survived. That means that they didn't go out of business. And 36% of them actually outperformed the market. So here's you three years ago trying to pick a mutual fund and you have a 36% chance of beating the market. All of the other funds underperformed the market. That guy in the pinstripe suit isn't looking so good. And I'm not picking on him. They probably all have a higher IQ than I do. It's just difficult to beat the market, period. So looking back five years, how many of those managers beat the market? It even goes down. Only 29% of mutual fund managers actually beat the market. About 75% of the those mutual funds actually survived. So let's look back 10 years now, ending December 31st, 2015. There were 2,730 funds at the beginning of the period. Only 59% of them even survived. All the other ones went out of business. Over 40% of them went out of business and only 21% of them actually performed, outperformed the market. And lastly, Listen, we are long-term investors, aren't we? So we we have a long time frame here that we're looking at, at least 15 years. For a lot of us, in fact, most of us, our, our time period, because our time period goes until the time we are no longer on this great earth. We have 50 years, 40 years, 30 years left. So I'm just going back 15 years. And 15 years ago, ending December 31st, 2015, there were 2,758 actively managed mutual fund funds that existed. Less than half of them are even around today. Only 43% of them survived. And way worse than that, only 17% of them actually beat the market. Isn't that crazy? And I'm going to, I want you to go to Best in Wealth and download this this report because it goes over the bonds as well. And the outperformance by actively managed bond managers is even worse craziness. So I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. I know what everybody says. They say, Scott, that's exactly why I like to look at past returns. Because I'm going to pick the managers that are actually beating the market. I'm going to find the ones, the 18% that are actually outperforming the market or the 25% that are outperforming the market when you look back 10 years. Okay, and actually 29% of them outperformed. So all I'll do, Scott, is I will look at the 10-year returns. Usually 15 don't even exist on a lot of people's glossy paperwork trying to tout their funds. I'm going to pick the ones, though, Scott, that are already beating the market. I'm ahead of the game. It seems really logical. That's what a lot of people do. That's what most people do. But let's keep digging into the actual facts. And incidentally, all of these numbers that I'm coming up with, they come from the Center of Research on Security Prices located right at the University of Chicago. It's where anyone who wants to do some diligent research about the stock market goes. That's where all the information exists. The CRISP, the Center for Research on Security Prices located at the University of Chicago.
So we're going to do something here. We're going to we're going to say, all right, let's go with that. Okay, starting in 2001, there was 2,758 funds to choose from. 20% of them actually outperform the market. So now it's the beginning of 2011, and you're going to use the past 10-year returns and say, all right, I'm going to look at the funds that were actually beating the benchmarks, and those are the ones that are going to make up my portfolio. So the question is this. Of those 20%, 541 funds out of the 2,758 that actually beat the market, how many of them continued to persist and beat the market? Because just because a particular mutual fund beat the market 10 years does not mean the next five years they will. The answer is only 37% of those funds actually persisted and kept beating the market between 2001 and 2000 and I'm sorry 2011 and 2015. So, using your method your methodology, I'm picking on you just because that's what most people do. That's what I used to do. Your chances of success are still so poor at 37%. I mean, think about this. If you're going to try and build a diversified portfolio within your 401k and you're going to select 10 companies and all 10 of these, for whatever reason, had 10-year returns that beat the market, I, I doubt that, but some of them may have. Let's just say 10 of them did. And now, only three or four of them are going to continue to beat the market. Every other fund if we go with the averages, are going to underperform the market. And you'll end up not getting your fair share. So let's back up again. Why is this? These are extremely smart people that are trying to pick winning companies for us within these mutual funds. They're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to buy and sell companies for us. Why are so little of them actually beating the market? Well, one of the, the biggest reasons is the market, my friend, is smarter than you. The market is smarter than me. The market is smarter than all of those multi-million dollar mutual fund managers. The market has a ton of power. It, has, it is a great tool to build wealth. And we can access the power of the market, yes. But there's a smart family steward way to do it. And it doesn't seem to be by hiring these really expensive managers. Because one of the things the manager needs to do is we got to pay him the millions of dollars. The other thing is each and every time a trade is made, an expense occurs. So let's just look at expense ratios within mutual funds because every mutual fund has an expense ratio. That's the expense that you pay to be part of the fund. So if the expense ratio is 1% and that manager actually returned over the year 10% within the fund, well, you're only getting 9% because the manager gets the 1% and he's going to pay you know, all the people that are helping him out. So if you look at one of the pages here in this report, you'll see that the high costs make outperformance so difficult. And the higher the mutual fund ratio, 
the lower the chance for success. Get this. Using expense ratio now to to predict outperformance, those, if we look back 15 years, ending December 31st, 2015, mutual funds that the average expense ratio was 0.83%, 26% of those managers outperformed. When the expense ratio averaged 1.21%, the second quartile, only 20% of the mutual fund managers outperformed the market. When the expense ratio averaged 1.5%, only 15% of managers beat the market. And when an expense ratio averaged over 2%, only 7% of mutual fund managers beat the market. Costs matter, my friends. Costs always matter. Another predictor is turnover ratio within a mutual fund. So what's what's turnover ratio? Well, think of it this way. If a mutual fund manager is holding 100 companies inside of the mutual fund, and that mutual fund manager makes 100 trades during the year, buying one company, selling another, et cetera, et cetera, 100 times, well, he has a 100% average turnover within the mutual fund. So I'm going to give you one more stat. And why is that important? Because every time a trade is made, there's an expense that occurs. There's a commission cost for the trade. There's a a tax consequence each time a trade is made within the mutual fund. Taxes need to be paid. There's something else called a bid-ask spread too. And what that simply means is sometimes the stocks aren't on sale. You pay a higher premium when the bid-ask spread is higher to actually own the company. It makes buying it very cost ineffective. That's when liquidity is rather low and there's not a lot of trading going on with that particular stock at that particular time. So when turnover ratio averages 28%, 29% of mutual fund managers meet, uh, beat the market. That's looking back 15 years. When it averages 61%, 19% beat the market. At 94%, 12% beat the market. And when ex- And when turnover uh, ratio or turnover percentage averages over 200%, and you'll see that in many mutual funds, only 8% of managers beat the market. Is that just crazy? So we know very few do beat the market. Mutual fund managers, we also have a good idea why they have a very difficult time. This market efficiency is big. This Market being smarter than all of us is big. Turnover ratio is huge. Expense ratio is huge. All of this completely matters. I probably didn't make you feel very good during this this episode, basically saying that it's very difficult for mutual fund managers to beat the market because now your hands might be going up. Scott, what do I do now? If all of this information is true and I believe this information, now how do I go pick a mutual fund when I know that I'm going up against a current, a current of poorly performing mutual funds, a a current of, of me just trying to get what I deserve in the market, the current of I don't want to run out of money. I want to be able to be the family steward. I want to be able 
to have the confidence that I can create a plan and reach financial in financial independence that will give me the best chance for success to build up the cornerstones in my life. What mutual funds do I pick? Well, my friends, that is going to be our episode next week because the opposite of this active trading is indexing. That's just being a part of the market instead of trying to beat the market. But here's the deal. Not all index funds are built the same. There can be a vast difference in how mutual funds, how index mutual funds are actually made up. So we're going to take a deep dive into that next week. So you can be better prepared to make the very best decisions when it comes to picking mutual funds for your 401k and your IRA and your taxable account and all of it. I hope this was helpful. Please download this report at bestandwealth.com under episode number 69. It will greatly help you in the future in your decisions. So I'm out of here for now, but I will see you on the flip side. You guys all have an awesome week. I'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.